Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We are grateful that you are able to listen to us as we unravel and unpack the uh, topic of know what you believe. Know what you believe. As Christians, uh, there are essentials, teachings of the faith that all of us must embrace. It's not up for debate. It is prescriptive and binding upon all Christians to believe in the following. We've talked about how skeptics often criticize and attack certain doctrines uh, of Christianity. And when they attack the essentials, we can't just uh, compromise and uh, acquiesce what has been deposited to us since the first century. So we, foremost, we Christians, we that are followers of Jesus Christ, uh, people of the way, we must know why we believe what we believe. We must know this. We must know the essentials. Um, Why does God exist? And I'm not talking about giving answers to people who are trying to be argumentative. I'm talking about just uh, giving a reason, giving others a reason for the hope that lies within us and to do it with gentleness and respect according to 1 Peter 3.15. And if we're able to adequately articulate our faith, it will cause others to consider our faith. But if we are not sure, if we're not certain of doctrine, if we're not certain of um, historicity, if we're not uh, certain of our hermeneutics, then it causes other people to be unsure because we're not unsure. So when it comes to the essentials, we must be sure of why we believe what we believe. And again, I'm talking about the major essentials. We're saved um, through faith by grace. And Paul reminds us of that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So salvation uh, is not sustained by us. It's sustained by God. And we're saved by his grace, his unmerited favor. So now that we're saved, the question is, now what? You say you love the Lord, now what? You say you know Jesus, Now what? Or so what? So what? If someone were to come and ask you a question regarding the faith, are you positioned to properly and adequately uh, share why you believe what you believe as it relates to the major essential? So the major essential, number one, is God. Atheists attack God and say God um, doesn't exist. God is just a figment of our imagination, or as 
uh, Jesse the Body Ventura stated when he was governor, religion is just a crutch for weak-minded people. So there are those that are skeptics, those that are atheists, uh, those that are deists, and the deists would argue that, yes, we believe that God created the universe, but he's left us to run our own lives. He's left us to run our own show. And if you didn't know it, uh, many of our founding fathers in America were deists. On the surface, they may seem like they were Christians, but they were deists. Um, and, and again, the deists believe that God created, but yet he's uh, abdicated his lordship to us. So we run our own lives, and that's not a biblical worldview. So when it comes to God, uh, again, um, he's being attacked. Uh, he's being replaced by something called scientism. And scientism says that uh, truth claims cannot be explained or uh, articulated outside of science. So everything must be looked at from a scientific paradigm. And you all are familiar with scientism. Uh, when we talk about whether or not something is right, we always point to scientific evidence. That is an, um, more than likely a belief in scientism when those people make that type of uh, argument uh, that uh, certain truth claims can be evaluated outside of a laboratory. That's scientism. Uh, there are certain disciplines that transcend science. Um, disciplines such as the metaphysics, the metaphysical world, science uh, can't properly deal with the soul. Science cannot properly deal with the spirit. Science cannot properly deal with prayer. Science cannot properly deal with um, what happens after death. Science cannot properly deal with the metaphysical, like I said, as it relates to angels, as it relates to uh, God, as it relates to other uh, non-physical uh, entities. So science alone does not explain everything. But yet you have many in the world that practice scientism, and as a result, they've annulled the reality of God. They have erased the reality of God. But God does exist. We know that God exists because many of us have experienced God. We, we are experiencing him now. Many of us have a relationship with God. And as a Christian, you should have a relationship with Jesus. You should have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Uh, you should know his ways. And when you know his ways, it minimizes your chance of offending him. So we must grow in grace. It's not just about religion. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. Us getting to know our Savior and him uh, working with us and molding us and fashioning us and shaping us to grow up in the image of the Son. So we, as Christians, we must argue for God's existence. We must tell others that God do exist and God does exist. And God will be the one we'll have to stand in, uh, in, in front of when this whole thing is over with. So we gave examples of God's existence in the previous episode. We gave the example, number one, that we can argue for God through the Bible. Meaning the mere fact that the Bible exists is an indication 
that God exists. His words are in the scriptures. Then argument number two, we argue from science. When we look at science, when we look at plants, when we look at trees, when we look at how um, specific and complex and nuanced nature is, when we look at uh, how the trees are able to absorb light and give off oxygen and take in carbon dioxide and the, the oxygen that the tree is able to emanate, we're able to be blessed by um, inhaling that oxygen. So God created uh, the cycle of life. God created uh, the environment. God placed everything in its proper order. God placed uh, certain penguins in, in cold and certain animals in, in, in hot weather, and their environment is just perfectly conducive for them. Then we talked about uh, William Paley's example of the watchmaker, how um, William Paley, early Christian thinker, uh, it, uh, used this argument to prove God's existence if we were to uh, stumble upon a watch, a watch that's full of gears, a watch that's full of wheels, a watch that's uh, made in a complex way, uh, made in a specific way. If you discovered a watch, you wouldn't say this watch got here by itself without a watchmaker. In the same way, William Paley said, when you look at the complexity of our uh, habitat, when you look at the complexities of the universe, you look at the complexities of earth, when you see the nuance, when you see the fine-tuning of our, of, our, of our habitat, you can't say to yourself, or you shouldn't say to yourself, we just got here, uh, as the evolutionists would say. We, we all got here through primordial soup through an event that happened in the ocean and uh, the, 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 this, this bolt of light or energy uh, set off some molecules and we just came here by accident. So in, in essence, we came from uh, chaos to uh, uh, finitude, from chaos to order. And that's not, that doesn't make sense. You don't get order out of chaos, not this type of order. This type of order it uh, only came about through a supernatural be- uh, means, through God himself. We got here because of God's handiwork. So we're arguing for God's existence. We talked about the trees. We talked about William Paley's example. And then um, we talked about how DNA plays a part. Um, speaking to those in the medical field, they talk about how DNA uh, has coding in it. Each DNA has pre-programmed uh, information in it. And uh, our DNA is what tells the body to make our hair a certain color. It is what tells the body to make our skin a certain color. Our DNA has programmed in it that tells us how many freckles we're going to have. So who put the programming in the DNA? We're saying God did. It did not come by osmosis. It did not come by accident. It didn't come by chance. And we certainly didn't come from primordial soup. God created this. God's handiwork is all over us. And I'm not even going to talk about the bacterial flagellum uh, uh, for those that will... 
uh, uh, that are curious about the bacterial flagellum, it's, it, it's, it's like a machine. It, it is a, mo- a molecular structure inside of our body. And it works like a propeller. It moves the bacteria in your body around. So this machine called the bacterial flagellum moves um, your back, the bacteria around in your body. And, the, and this design in our body is so organized that it requires a maker, someone that's so intelligent, that's able to put a machine, a biological machine in our bodies to move the bacteria around. And we call this intelligent designer God. God. And for those that have studied this bacterial flagellum, they, they, they'll tell you that it's just like a motor. Its structure is very complex, just like a motor. So it's, in essence, it's a biological motor. And then uh, we end it all by saying that we can argue, argue for God by the means of morality. When people use words such as inhumane, when we use words uh, such as um, evil, when we use words such as true, when we use words uh, such as uh, inhospitable. So when we make truth claims or when we argue for something um, and we are able to dis- distinguish between uh, truth and what's false, we're saying we have a sense of what morality is. And the only way we know what's not good is to know the good. If it wasn't for the good, we wouldn't know how far short we've, we've come. So God has established the good. God has established the standard for what's true. And because he set the standard, we as humans are trying our best to live up to the standard. And for Christians, we have a better chance because God is with us. But when we are not Christians, we live contrary to the will of God. So we need to accept Christ to get to know what the good is. So since God has uh, established the good, we're able to then say this is a good thing versus this is a bad thing because the standard is not being created by us. We're saying the standard has already be, uh, been created by God. So when God created the universe, truth came along with it. Truth came in terms of morality when God created the universe. This is why when Adam sinned, um, he was violating the truth that God had already established. God is truth. And what he created was based on truth. So as believers, as human beings, rather, uh, we don't recreate the truth. We discover the truth. Einstein, again, could never say that he created the theory of relativity. Einstein discovered the theory of relativity. So God placed morality here in the universe for us. He placed it here on earth for us. And we must then discover what that truth is. So if God wasn't in the picture, so let's say God uh, didn't exist, which he does. I'm just painting a picture. If we were to follow these skeptics and we were to say God didn't exist, then what makes your claim any better than my claim? At the most, all we could say then is you have a claim and I have a claim without God being in the picture. But because God is in the picture, 
if you and I get into a disagreement, if you and I have differences of opinion, we have a transcendent referee and his name is God that we can look at and we can go to his word to determine whether or not what we're stating is factual or fiction. That's why um, we can argue that there is a God. Because even the most cynical person, even the most skeptical person, if they say they don't believe in absolute truth, and then we find that, uh, let's say, uh, someone violates them, they'll say, that's not right. You're violating me. Well, why is it not right if God is not in the picture? So even the most skeptical person on earth has their own parameters, has their own standard, and they'll tell you that you have uh, violated their own personal standard, and as a result, that's not right. Well, if the individual that violated you, what if they said it is right? Then who are we to believe if God is not in the picture? And this is why I'm thankful that God is in the picture, that God is real, that God do exist, and that God's handiwork can be seen in nature as well as uh, human behavior. Uh, God has given us standards to live by. So we as Christians, we must continue to argue because the more we talk about God, the more we present God, but the more we present the truth, the more people we get to know the authentic Jesus. So the first major essential that we must uh, be able to articulate is God. For those that say there's no God, I've, we've already given uh, reasons for why uh, that argument uh, is not valid. For those that argue against the existence of God. And really, we are our best testimonies. We are the best witnesses. People need to see or hear what God has done for you. When they see uh, you lift up the name of Christ, when they see you speak holy words, when they see your life modification, meaning that your life has been transformed from how you used to be to who you are now. We're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about uh, letting them know the perfect one, Jesus Christ, who has absolved you of your sins, who has absolved us of our sins. And through his stripes, we have been healed. We're talking about pointing people to Christ, showing them that this Jesus that we talk about, the authentic Jesus, he can save them and he can turn their life around. Many individuals are in uh, constant flux. They're in despair. They're despondent because they're looking for someone who's going to love them uh, realistically and love them authentically. They're looking for someone who knows all about them and can help them with their needs, not just the wants. They need Jesus. And we as journalists for Jesus, we as reporters for Christ, we must continue to lift up the Savior. We must continue to tell others that there's hope through Jesus Christ. And we are the ambassadors for Christ. We are the representatives for Christ. We are the light of the world. And we have a duty. We have a function that God wants us to fulfill. So argue for God. 
So the major essential number one is God. Know how to articulate for the existence of God. Then the second thing you may think is obvious is to argue for Jesus. To argue for the authentic Jesus. We must get Jesus right. And it matters uh, how we view Jesus. It does matter. Because uh, God believes in the law of identity. It's one of the four logical laws. And I don't have time to unpack all four laws. But God believes in the law of identity. And this is why uh, we see in the scriptures, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And then you read other scriptures that says God is a jealous God. Uh, He will share his glory with no one else. Uh, This is why we see in the scriptures where God is identified as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because God wanted to remind Israel that he's the authentic God. And then he wanted those outside of Israel to know which God we're talking about. We're talking about the God that was with Abraham the God that was with Isaac, the God that was with Jacob. And that same God is the authentic God of the universe, the God that created everything. So in him using those titles, he's basically uh, distinguishing himself from anyone else that we may perceive to be God. And we know that there's only one God. And if you hear of anything else or anyone else that's being called God, that is a God made with hands. And it's really no God at all. There's only one authentic God, the God that created the universe, the God who sent his only monogenous son to die for our sin, Jesus the Christ. So we must have Jesus right. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through him. And that is an exclusive statement. Exclusive. If you want to go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus the Christ. If you want to know the Father, you have to get to know Jesus the Christ. And we must accept the authentic Jesus, not the fabricated Jesus. This is why Christ himself said in the last day, and I'm paraphrasing, there will be those that say, Lord, Lord, Lord. Did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not perform miracles in your name? And Jesus said, essentially, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So just because someone says Jesus doesn't necessarily mean uh, that they fully understand the Jesus of the Bible or they are articulating the Jesus of the Bible. So, for example, when we talk about Jesus, Jesus is divine. He's divine according to the scripture. John 1, 1. Uh, as, as an example, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. But when you look at the Jehovah Witnesses doctrine, they have changed it to a God, a smaller G. Whereas the Bible is telling us, uh, when you look at it from a hermeneutic uh, standpoint, that Jesus is equal to the father. And when we uh, continue next week, we'll talk more about um, arguing for the authentic Jesus and not allowing ourselves to listen to uh, the uh, false doctrines from many of the cults and, and many of the skeptics out in the world. So again, we pray that this episode has been informative and educational for you. Our hope is that you get to know the authentic Jesus for yourself, because in the last days, Jesus is going to hold us accountable for the truth that we say we believe in. 
So we thank you all for listening. And again, don't forget our apologetics boot camp on Saturday, April 30th from 9 to 11 a.m. Please go to abcsac.org, abcsac.org, and you can register yourself as well as your Christian students. And if you'd like to give, you can go online to srministries.org or uh, send your donation to P.O. Box 582-306-L Grove, 95758. And remember to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Well, the physician comes in and says, tells this lovely couple, hey, your son's not going to make it. But there's a young girl here in the hospital who just delivered a baby girl and she's given her up. She's going to leave her here. Do you want her instead? That was chart topper Ryan Stevenson sharing a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear artists, songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.